0: Isaiah 65, verse 17 to 25. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people." My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy all my holy mountain says the Lord.
1: Our second reading tonight is from the book of Philippians we're looking at chapter 3 verses 12 to 21 and that's on page 832 of the Pew Bibles verse 12 not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, That, too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body.
2: Thanks, Penny. Friends, tonight I want to talk about Christian uh, maturity. I'm not talking about uh, how long you've been a Christian. I'm not talking about how old you are. I'm talking about the concept of, of growing in your faith, of maturing and making progress and pressing on in your relationship with Jesus. Because I hope you've realized that you, you should never stop growing as a Christian. If you're here tonight and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you should never say, I've made it. You can never say, I'm taking retirement as a Christian. You can never say, I've reached my peak. I'm just sort of, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. The Christian life is a a lifelong journey. It's an endurance race. It started one day when the the Lord Jesus grabbed hold of you And you'll keep on running that race until the day the Lord Jesus Christ calls you home. Uh, This last couple of weeks, I have been so refreshed and so encouraged by time spent with two older godly Christian men. Uh, One of them was a a guy called David Jackman. He was kind of my mentor back in the UK. Uh, He is a guy who really taught and trained me as a preacher. I had afternoon tea with him two weeks ago here in Sydney. Uh, He has been in Christian ministry for the last 40 years. Uh, The last five years have been tough. He's had serious health issues. Uh, His family have suffered serious pain and hardships. Uh, But what struck me over afternoon tea was this is a a guy who is still growing. Uh, He's more humble Uh, He's more passionate about Jesus. Uh, He's still grappling with his sin. He's still loving the Word. He's still finding out wonderful truths in the Scriptures. And I just left that afternoon thinking, that's what I want to be like in 30 years' time. Or or this weekend uh, with Wally Behan. Uh, He has been a Christian now for 30 years. I know him very well. And I know what he's gone through in the last 20 or 30 years as a Christian. But again, he is more humble, more passionate, uh, more convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Kinder, more patient, more godly, more generous now than he was 16 years ago when I first met him. And again, I think, I want to be like that. I find that refreshing because... I do have a lot of conversations with people who talk about how, you know, five years ago they felt closer to Jesus than they do today. Five years ago they were more passionate about church and more passionate about Jesus and more passionate about serving, but they kind of just plateaued or they're, they're stagnating in, in their faith. And just to meet men who, Age 60, age 65, age 70, they're just loving Jesus more and more and more. I go, I want to be like that. If you're here today and have followed Jesus Christ, I wonder whether you would say that you are more mature in your faith today than you were five years ago. I'm not talking about the number of church activities you do, I'm talking about your your relationship with Jesus. Do you know him better? Do you love him more? Can you see him at work in your life? Can you see him refining your character? Can you see him changing things about you? Uh, Five years ago, were you more in love with Jesus or or less in love with Jesus? In this part of Philippians, you, you get a window into the life of the Apostle Paul. And he's an extraordinary disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, We've met him already. He says things like chapter 1, verse 21, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says things like chapter 3, verse 10, I I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Uh, And maybe you've listened to Philippians and you're kind of thinking, wow, uh, this guy is a bit of a, a Christian freak. His passion, his humility, his, his Christ-likeness. Is it really possible to have that kind of relationship with Jesus? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is. But we need to keep on growing. We need to keep making progress and keep pressing on in our faith. It's all about Christian maturity. Those obscure verses, verses 15 to 16, I think are actually the key. All of us who are mature, who are growing in our faith, should take such a view of things. Mature people don't think they've arrived yet. Mature people recognize they're in the middle of a long race. You don't stop running, you don't sit down, you don't put the race on hold whilst you get on with another area of life. And if on some point you think differently, if you have a flaw in your understanding, God will graciously correct that. We've got to keep on growing and keep on Let me highlight what I see as two dangers for Christian maturity in Sydney today. One danger is a needs based church. As soon as we think that church is all about meeting my needs, and Jesus is about meeting my needs, and God is serving me in my time of need you'll end up in a man-centered salvation, a man-centered life, and a man-centered church, and your goal in life will be to be happy. And if that's your goal in life, if that's your attitude, you won't mature and you won't grow in faith. Uh, the other danger is, is a now church, where we bring the, the, the culture of the world into the culture of the church. In a, our culture today is a very instant now culture, you could walk home tonight, and you could, you could shop in any shop around the world at a click of a button, and it could be on your doorstep in three or four days' time. You don't save for anything. You don't plan for anything. It's all about the now. And if you think your Christian life is like that, if you expect God just to transform you like that, no effort, no endurance, if you expect all your needs to be met by God today... Then you won't press on in your faith. In fact, you'll just be disappointed when he doesn't meet your needs now. And I hope tonight God's word will help you just to to long to grow, to long to mature, and to press on like Paul did. Now, what was it that, that motivated and drove Paul just to keep on loving Jesus more and more and more? And the simple answer is he knows where he's heading. His destiny determined his daily walk with Jesus. His destination shaped the way that he lived now. Because for Paul, life wasn't just an endless cycle of the the alarm clock goes off and you you press the snooze button, you walk into the shower, you have your breakfast, you read your Bible, you go to work, you have lunch, you come home, you exercise, you go to bed, and the same thing happens again and again and again. It wasn't like that. He was heading for a place called heaven. He was heading for a place where he was going to see Jesus face to face. And that fact, that reality, is what pressed him on day after day after day to keep on knowing Jesus better. If you know you're going to see him face to face, don't you want to do everything possible to know everything about him so that when you do meet him, you just know him so well? That's what drove Paul, his destiny He wasn't living in this world with roots in this world because this wasn't his home. Heaven was his home. And I'm more and more convinced that the more we long to be with Jesus and the more we realize that our citizenship is in heaven, the more we want to press on and grow and mature in our faith. Let me give you five resolutions for Christian maturity. Here's the first one. Uh, Write them down this week. Put them on your fridge. Put them on your your iPhone. I I want to mature, so I have resolved to, to be realistic. I haven't arrived yet. Let's get real about who we are. At verse 12, Paul says, I haven't already obtained all of this. That is the resurrection from the dead. I haven't already been made perfect. At the beginning of verse 13, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's the price. It's really very simple. Paul is saying, let me be clear, I'm not perfect yet. I haven't arrived yet. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yes, I've planted hundreds of churches, and yes, I'm a great preacher and a great apostle, but I'm not perfect yet. God's still got a lot of work to do on me. And you can just imagine Paul sort of sitting in prison writing this letter going, God, you still know how, how, how proud I really am. God, you know how I still struggle with impatience. And you know how I still struggle with greed. And you know uh, that particular area of my life where I'm good at hiding it. You know that's got to change. You, you know me so well, God, and you know that I'm not perfect. Lord, please keep on humbling me. Lord, please keep on growing me. It was 30 years ago that the the apostle was gripped by grace. And God's been working on him for 30 years, but he's not the perfect Christian yet. And I find that really encouraging. Don't you? To know that God is still at work in you. He's got lots to change about you (laughs) because you're on this journey. So please don't be impatient. Please don't be like little kids who are just saying, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet? You're not there yet. You won't be there yet until you meet Jesus face to face. And please don't be arrogant. And please don't be satisfied. Please don't be satisfied with where you're at in your Christian life. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but God knows how I need to change. And to pray, Lord, take me through whatever you need to take me through to develop my character, to refine me, to change me, because I just want to be more and more like Christ. Someone said Christians should never be satisfied with yesterday's grace. Keep pressing on, be realistic, you're not there yet. Second resolution, resolve to be active. You need to make an effort. If you wanna grow in your faith, mature in your faith, It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. He says in verse 12, I haven't already been made perfect, but I I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Again, in verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, single-mindedly, I forget what is behind, and I strain towards what's ahead, and I press on towards the goal, to win the prize. Uh, That word, press on, I push forward, I I drive forward, I I make the effort, I train and I strain and I I persevere. They're all active words. Because we're running and we're in a race and we're on a journey and we're heading home. How are you going to do that? How are you going to make sure that, that you are actively growing in your faith? It's pretty straightforward. Verse 14. You forget what's behind and you just look forward to what's ahead. Verse 14 forgetting what is behind. Uh, That could mean any one of three things. He could be saying, don't look back to what you could have had. Uh, Please don't look back over your shoulder and think, you know, I could have been the most successful lawyer in Sydney. I could have had that house if I wasn't a follower of Christ. I could have been famous, you know. Don't, don't always be looking back thinking, if I wasn't really a Christian, I could have had all this. He could be saying that. He could be saying, don't be complacent about your past Christian achievements. Don't look over your shoulder and thinking, you know, five years ago, I, I led that person to Christ. And, and ten years ago, I led that youth group. And, and three years ago, you know, I, I was leading a connect group. And, and last year, I, I was serving all these people. Because God isn't interested in what you were doing ten years ago. It's how you're going today that really matters. But I think he's saying, don't dwell on your past failures. Forgetting what is behind Don't let past sins condemn you. Now, now for Paul, that is massive, isn't it? Because Paul murdered Christians. And it would be easy for him to sit there and go, has God really forgiven me of that? Is he really going to welcome me home? Whatever you've done in the past, don't let the guilt of that drag you down and stop you pressing on. Leave it at Calvary. Jesus paid for it there. Don't look back. This always leads to disaster. I don't know whether you've ever seen the footage of probably the most famous head-to-head mile race that was ever run. It was uh, Roger Bannister from Great Britain and John Landy from Australia. Uh, At that time, they were the only two sub-four-minute milers. And they were neck and neck up until the bell, and then Landy pressed forward, and Roger Bannister surged forward as well. And, and as they turn a the final bend, there's black and white footage. You can look at it on YouTube. And what happens is that as they turn a the final bend, uh, Landy just breaks his concentration for a moment, and he looks over his shoulder. And Roger Bannister just goes straight past him. And you and I have got to learn the Christian life for so let the past be past. Let the past be past and just keep your focus on the future, on, the, on heaven, on the goal. And press on forward. Uh, some of you know that I do um, Ironman triathlons. It's a long endurance race. Uh, you've swum the four kilometers. You, you've cycled the 180 kilometers. You, you, you're running the 42 kilometer marathon. Now let me just tell you there are times in that race where you want to stop, and you want to give up. But I can't say, oh, I've done the swim, tick. I can't say, I've done the ride, tick, I've finished the race. I haven't finished the race. And The moment that you're actually tempted to give up is when you actually become complacent. You go, oh, you know, I've done the swim, I've done the ride, just got the run to go. And there's moments in that run where you're just so tempted just to stop. And the, the advice that was given me was this. A jog is better than stopping and a shuffle is better than stopping and even a walk is better than stopping because as soon as you've stopped, you haven't finished the race. And I don't know how you're going in your Christian life. Uh, some of you will be pounding on, racing forward. Others of you will, will be just shuffling along and others will be walking. And I'm just urging you tonight... At least walk. Go forward. One step after the other. Don't stop. Don't stagnate. Don't look back. Just keep pressing on towards heaven. Again, it's not rocket science. It's just making the effort to wake up tomorrow morning and going, okay, God, thank you that, you, thank you that you've forgiven me in Christ. Thank you that I'm saved. Uh, help me today just to open the scriptures. Help me to, to trust you Uh, Show me how to, to be a better disciple of yours today. And the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Don't race on ahead. Just day after day, keep on walking with Jesus. I reckon the devil uses a great lie to stop us running. I reckon he uses lies like, oh, you know, that sin that you're battling with, it's worse than any other sin of any other person in this church or he uses the lie, you know, just just rest for a while. You deserve that. Just put up your feet and and stop and take a breather. When you stop running, you take your eyes off the prize. Third resolution. Be wise. If you want to keep maturing, be wise and follow godly examples. Paul says in verse 17, join with others in following my example. A- and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. He's saying, uh, look at my life and imitate me. It's not that kind of self-centered, egotistical, look at me, look at me. It's not a statement of arrogance. It's a, t- it's a statement of encouragement. He's saying, look, I know that you need examples. To mature in Christ It's not just about teaching. I hope you've got that. To mature in Christ, it's not just about listening to sermons. It's about observing other people and learning from other people. And of course, Christ is our example. He is the model of perfection. But you need other models who will help you to trust him more and pursue that that purity. And there's a challenge, you know. Uh, Who do you follow? Or who follows you? You need godly people to follow. You need to be discerning about who you take note of. That word for take note down in verse 17, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. It's saying uh, analyze them. Watch them. Dissect them if you want. Fix your eyes on those who are good examples because they will help you grow. Uh, Let me say it doesn't matter what stage of the Christian life you're at, whether you're just starting out or been a Christian for 40 years, you still need role models. You need people to encourage you and spur you on. But be wise, because people will either lead you closer to Jesus or or further away from him. And I think that's what Paul is saying in verse 18. There's a scary word in verse 18. See if you can spot it because or for, as I've often told you before and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I think the scary word is that word many. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Not a few, but many. You're surrounded by people who can lead you astray. Who are these enemies of the cross of Christ? One thing is clear. These people... Are claiming to be Christians. He's not talking about the Philippians being led astray by the unbelieving world. He's talking about people who, who live as enemies of the cross. They don't deny the reality of the cross. They don't deny the fact of the death of Jesus, but they are living as enemies of the cross. They're, they're talking the talk, but they don't live a godly life. They're living in a way where their sins that, that sent Jesus to the cross are being celebrated. He says, just be, be, be warned. Don't follow them. Why, verse 19? Because their destiny is destruction. They're not true believers. Uh, their God is their stomach. They, uh, they're just concerned about their fleshly appetites. They glory in their shame. They boast about things they should be ashamed of. And their mind is on earthly things. Not necessarily wicked things, just, just worldly things. They love the world. And I'm begging you tonight, friends please, please, please be wise who you follow. I have watched many people leave this place and wander away from Christ. And 95% of the time, it's not to do with doctrine. It's to do with lifestyle. And most of the time, they've been influenced or impacted by other people who are claiming to be Christians but are living a godless life. And you're dragged away. Let me encourage you to just be wise who you follow. Uh, if, if you're married here tonight, look out for those godly Christian uh, married couples who can encourage you and you say, I want to be that kind of husband, and I want to be that kind of Christian wife. Uh, if you're single here tonight, look out for uh, the people who are, are godly examples of, of, of the joys of being single. I loved being single. The opportunity it gave me to serve Jesus. Yes, of course there was hardships and loneliness. But, you know, the joys of serving Jesus as a single man. Be wise as to who you look out for. I love Paul's attitude, though. He's so deeply grieved to see these people led astray. He says in verse 13, I've often told you before and now say again, even with tears. Yes, he denounces them, but he calls them, he, he has deep compassion. And I hope you'll have that attitude as well. Please don't go around uh, denouncing people without tears in your eyes. Fourth resolution. I'm going to resolve to be focused and fix my eyes on the prize. Remember that phrase, your destiny determines your daily walk. Your destiny determines your daily walk. And he says in verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What did did Christ Jesus take hold of him for? Verse 14. Towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await to save you from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious bodies. That's the prize. That's the goal, having these glorious resurrection bodies and awaiting our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got two passports. I've got an Australian passport. I've got an English passport. But neither England nor Australia is my true home. Heaven is my home. That's where I belong. And when I actually think like that, I just find it encouraging, you know, as I'm struggling to make a decision, uh, do I go with this one or this one? Uh, Just to think, okay, heaven's my home. What's the the, the godly thing to do? Uh, When I'm struggling, uh, struggling with a sin, I'm going, yeah, I've got to keep on struggling because I'm not perfect yet. I'm not home yet. Heaven is my home. I've got to be eagerly awaiting my Savior. To quote sort of that great crooner, Michael Buble. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And living with that mindset, it will change the way that you live. See, here's my observation. Uh, most of us live as though Sydney is the most glorious place to live. And it doesn't get much better than this. And most of us live as though Jesus is not going to come back. And very few of us live according to verse 20, eagerly, eagerly awaiting a Savior, expectantly, that persistent expectation, Jesus is coming home, Jesus is coming to take me home, I just want to be with you, Jesus. Now why is that? I think it's because we do have it so good. And there's nothing wrong with with enjoying all the blessings of Sydney. It's a beautiful place to live. But it's not perfection. Heaven is home. And I do think it's because we haven't realized the the joy of a resurrection body. Uh, the verse where it says that he will transform your lowly bodies verse 21 to be like his glorious bodies. We begin to grasp that when our bodies fail. When our bodies are frail and decaying, we begin to grasp the joys of resurrection bodies. But for now, I'll just keep getting fitter and fitter and fitter. Some wise old man said this, you know you're reaching middle age when you sit down to put your socks on. And you know you're approaching old age when you sit down to put your socks on, and whilst you're down there, you ask yourself whether there's something else you could be doing whilst you're down there. <laughs> and you know you're really old when you sit down to put your socks on, but once you've sat down, you've forgotten what you sat down for. <laughs> Friends, it is humorous, but these bodies, my body's your body, it will decay. And when you've watched somebody with a debilitating illness, or when you watch someone whose body is just decaying, you get that longing and that yearning for your resurrection bodies. And we've got to learn to live like that. Longing for heaven, heaven is my home. I just pray we'd be this church where our eyes are, are on the prize, one day closer to heaven, one day closer to home, one day closer to the perfect resurrection body, and one day, closer to my savior have you heard of the runner Eric Liddell most of us know him because of the film Chariots of Fire very few of us know him that the year after this, this famous Paris Olympics he went on the mission field he was a missionary to China he died there on the mission field at a tender age of 43 his grave simple wooden cross his name is written in boot polish no glory, just gone to be with his Savior. I- I'm just urging us get rid of all your, your earthly ambitions and just serve Jesus, running for the prize, longing to get home. But my last resolution, and I hope this is the one that really encourages you the most, you can mature in Jesus by being this to be confident. That your destiny is secure. It's secure because the journey did not begin with you. Verse 12 tells you that. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, Paul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Paul. Uh, same again in verse 14. I press on uh, towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus it's God who called Paul, not Paul who called God. Same in verse sixteen. Let us live up to that to what we have already attained. What has he attained? He's attained forgiveness and righteousness and reconciliation, and that's the assurance of being a Christian that your salvation is certain. That is the big difference between running an Iron Man and running the Christian race. At any point in the Iron Man, anything can go wrong. I could tear a ligament, I could be dehydrated, I could fall off a bike and get concussed, there's absolutely no guarantee when I start that Ironman race I'm actually going to finish it. But for the Christian life, if if God has grabbed hold of you and and Jesus has grabbed hold of you, then nothing can stop you from seeing him face to face. I find that so encouraging. I don't know what God needs to do to me to prepare me to meet him. I don't know what he's going to take me through in the next five years, ten years, however long I've got on this earth until I meet my saviour. He could take me through real heartache the death of a spouse, the death of a child, depression, spiritual isolation, hurt, disappointment. I don't know what he's going to take me through, but I can be sure of this. He's going to hold on to me. He's going to bring me across that finish line And I'm going to see my saviour face to face. And that's the reason I want to grow. And that's the reason I want to press on. Because I know he's grabbed hold of me. And he who began the good work will bring it to completion. My name is written in the book of life. I know that. And I hope you do too. So let me ask you again. Look back to five years ago. If you were a Christian five years ago. Look back to today. Can you say... I'm more mature today. I pray that you make it your prayer that you that next week and the week after you say, I'm still pressing on, I'm still pressing on, I'm moving forward, I'm moving forward, and I'm moving forward. How are you gonna do that? Five quick ways. Be realistic, be active, be wise, be focused, but most of all, let's just rejoice that we can be confident. Let me pray. Friends, our citizenship is in heaven. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we praise you for adopting us and choosing us, for electing us to be your sons and daughters through your Son, our Saviour Christ. Uh, Father, we praise you that you who began that work in this, will bring us to com- will bring us to completion. Uh, please help us to, to press on, to grow, to mature. Uh, Father, help us to keep our eyes on that price. And Lord, would you help us just to live each day as citizens of heaven. And we thank you for your grace and your sovereignty and your election. And we thank you in Jesus' name.